Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. of scripture trying to uh, cast what God has put in my heart to remind our church in these days and in this year about some things I feel are very important biblically for us to understand here at Beacon Baptist Church. We've talked about some other uh, passages of Scripture. We talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and what it tells us about reaching Eon. And then over the last several Sundays, we have been here in uh, the book of Jude. And of course, we understand this book of Jude uh, is written by this one that verse number one calls a servant of the Lord Jesus, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. Uh, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. There's, uh, there's multiple messages that could simply be relayed just in those few words, and I will not take the time uh, to do that this evening, but we know who wrote this book. We know who he was. He was the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know who he is writing to. He is writing to the sanctified, the preserved, and called. All three of those are characteristics of salvation. And so this book is for those that are saved, for those of you and I that are saved by the grace of God. This is a book that uh, is to be one that is to uh, compel and encourage and produce zeal in believers too. As verse number three says, earnestly contend for the faith in a day to where uh, false teaching is on every hand and apostates are on every hand uh, trying to pull men and women, boys and girls away from the truth that is found uh, in the word of God, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the person of Jesus Christ our Savior, trying to pull those individuals away from what the Bible would say and what God would have for them. And so God called this man by the name of Jude uh, to uh, pin down a short epistle, a short letter uh, to those that are saved to encourage us and to, and to promote to us the idea of contending and having a fight within us for the faith. Amen. And so we ought to do that. But then as this uh, letter progresses, it's not very far into this letter before he identifies to us that we are to stand for the faith because verse number four, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of all. And you don't have to worry about all of this terminology. I love the poetic language of our King James Bible. And if God lets me preach through uh, this book of the Bible, I will unfold some of these things. This was the very first book of the Bible, I preached verse by verse through. Did it. Y'all can believe this or not, I did it at the nursing home, and they loved it. Amen. And, but anyway, we can unfold some of these things uh, here. But he's telling us about these 
that have come in in the midst of the body of Christ who are not saved, who according to verse 4 are trying to turn uh, the grace of God into lasciviousness or a license to sin, a license to live however you want to. These are ungodly men. Their words cannot be trusted whereas the true Bible student and the true Bible preacher and the true minister of God is trying to pull people toward Christ just like Brother Tommy led us just a moment ago about coming nigh to Jesus and drawing nigh to him. That's what a true minister of the word of God will do. But these individuals are trying to push away from the Lord Jesus. They are distorting our view of biblical truth. They are trying to draw men and ladies and children toward unholiness and toward ungodliness and to perversion of truth. And these are the individuals that you and I are being warned are uh, were in Jude's day and will be around in the last days. And I believe we're there. Now I think you'd say amen to that, that we're there. Amen. It's only going to wax worse and worse, the scripture says. And these are the individuals that are that are being uh, are being that we're being warned about in these verses in verse 20 through 25. We find that while we are being warned against those, uh, Jude is being led by God to tell the believer how we are to live in the midst of the last days and in the midst of these uh, people that arise on every hand uh, that he is calling out in this uh, book of the Bible. Amen. And so in the midst of that, what are we to do? He says, verse 20, we're to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. We're to pray in the Holy Ghost. Again, these are all messages for another day. We're to keep ourselves in the love of God. We're to look for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then verse 22 through 23 is where our burden has been in these days. And this is in our outreach. Amen. 2 Corinthians 12 talked to us about reaching in. Jude chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 talks to us about reaching out. Amen. And so we've talked about that. How we are to, according to verse 22, we are to reach out with compassion. Reach out compassionately. If some have compassion, making a difference. We are, as we saw Sunday morning, we're to reach out not only compassionately, but we are to reach uh, we are to reach out carefully, making a difference, making that uh, that distinction, uh, making that choice as to how you deal with some versus others. How you deal with one group of individuals and how they come to the place where they're, for lack of a better term, in the way we use in our churches, when they are right for the picking. Amen. When they're ready to give their heart to Christ. How to tell. How to deal with different individuals. Amen. That is reaching out carefully. But then as we finished up on Sunday night uh, with that little bit of an illustration I used Brother Lewis uh, for, I began to introduce this third aspect, and that's not just reaching out compassionately and reaching out uh, uh, carefully, but also thirdly, reaching out comprehendingly. Amen. Look at verse number 23. The Bible says, And others save with fear. That's the carefully I talked to you about. Then verse 23 goes on to say, notice this, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment, 
spotted by the flesh. I want to try to unpack those two uh, phrases of divine scripture tonight if the Lord will help us. In this passage of scripture where he talks about in verse 23, pulling them out of the fire, talking about dealing with those others that save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. These verses are letting us know that as we reach out, as we realize what we talked about Sunday morning, that God has called us and commissioned us to be on an urgent rescue mission, to be those that throw out the lifeline of the gospel and to try to reach those that are lost and undone without the Lord and need to be born again. Even those that need you to not just tell them how much God loves them, but they need to realize what kind of danger they're in if they don't get saved. To those individuals, he tells us that when we reach out to them, we have got to have the right kind of comprehension in mind. We've got to have our mind in the right place. What is God using us to do when we give out that track? As we talked about over and over tonight by way of prayer request, when Brother McBriar and Miss Mary passed out over 20,000 tracks, when they did that and they were throwing that lifeline out, what are they to be thinking about? How are they supposed to view what they're doing? Or is it supposed to be an action where we just get in the habit of doing it and we just get as easy as just uh, throwing them out and, and just passing them out without any heart uh, in the matter, without any uh, mentality concerning what we're doing? I believe the Bible here says when we reach out, there is something we must understand. There is something we must comprehend. There is something that we must think about that motivates our actions here. He says in verse 23, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And I'm going to go ahead and give a little bit of uh, a little bit of a forewarning tonight. This may be a little bit scattered as we deal with some different aspects here. But you help me. You say amen. It may help me preach a little bit better. And uh, you back us tonight and pray for us most importantly. And we'll try to give you what God uh, has for us in this passage of Scripture. Notice here in the 23rd verse of the book of Jude, in this last portion of the verse, we see here that there are some things, as I've stated, that we must comprehend or that we must grasp in our minds if we are to have the outreach as individual Christians that we are called to have and that we are supposed to have, that we are to have in our minds if we as a body of believers that make up this local New Testament church that we call Deacon Baptist Church, if this church is to have the outreach that God wants us to have, there are some things that we must grasp in our minds about what we are doing in the outreach that we do and that we engage in. Notice with me real quickly in verse number 23 that we are to comprehend what God is telling us in this verse when he tells tells us in this verse some things about the pulling. Notice here in verse 23 that we are to comprehend what this verse has to say about the pulling. Look at verse 23. He says, pulling them out. Notice that phrase. Uh, again, it's not uh, very complicated as far as the outline is concerned tonight. I'm just using verse right there in the text. The pulling. Pulling them out 
of the fire. Notice those three words, pulling them out. And actually, let's notice this as well, where he tells us pulling them out. Notice he goes on to say, of the fire. And then notice that, uh, notice that, uh, uh, that uh, punctuation there, uh, that uh, semicolon. Notice before the phrase, pulling them out, there is also punctuation. There is a comma after the word fear. It is very, and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm the guy, but that's one of my broken records. It is very important when we read the Bible and when we study the Bible, you don't just focus on the words, but you focus on the punctuation that's around the words because I'm one of those guys that just believes my Bible enough to where I believe even God, God even has a message in the commas and in the periods, amen, and in the punctuation. I believe God put it in the book exactly the way he wanted it, amen. I believe it's there just like he wants it. And if God put it there, then we should consider it, amen, and see what God would have for us here. This comma after the last phrase, right before uh, the word of pulling here in our text, gives us the method by which you uh, by which you and I are able to accomplish the task of seeing others saved with fear. He says, how are we to do it? We are to do it with pulling. Amen. How are they going to be saved with fear? They're going to be, it's going to be done by pulling them out of the fire. That means the word pulling there means to seize. And notice this now. Here's what it is in the Greek language in which our New Testament was devised, uh, was comprised of. To seize as a wild beast. To capture one that is wild. One that does not have boundaries. One that is not being slowed up by any other external force. One that is acting the way they're going to act. Do the things that they're going to do and not be hindered by any man or, or anything. Can I remind you that that is exactly the way a sinner is before they come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are without boundaries. We are depraved. We are of all men most miserable. We are those that have no care for God. We don't care what the Bible says. And we may, we may go to church, but it has no effect over our life. It is for a lost person that does not have the Spirit of God as their restrainer. There is nothing that is out of bounds. There is nothing that restrains them. And so there, uh, the, you know, there may be the physical laws of the land, but spiritually speaking, the Bible talks about here, describes these lost individuals that we are to see saved by the grace of God and we're to reach out to, compares them to a wild beast. No parameters. Nothing to stand in their way except for the soul winner that comes with the gospel. And the Spirit of God will take them standing there with a red flag waving them down as they are, they are headlong headed for hell telling them that there is one that loves them and there's one that wants to save them and there's one that wants to make them a new creature in Christ and take them to heaven uh, with God. Amen. And so we see it means to seize as a wild beast. It means to take by force. It means to snatch away. It means to claim for one's self eagerly. This, this, uh, this uh, uh, pulling them out of the fire, this pulling is something that the soul winner should do with, with an eagerness about us, yeah. with an excitement about us. You shouldn't have the mully grubs 
when you're out passing a track to someone. You shouldn't, it shouldn't be a drudgery to show up for visitation and to knock doors and to tell someone about the Jesus. It shouldn't be a drudgery when you hear someone say, here's a track, here's a soul of the Lord, here's a, here's a card with the gospel, here's a piece of literature. Let's get these out to our community. Let's put them hand to hand. Let's put them in an envelope and send them out in the mail. Let's put it anywhere we can. Let's get it out any way we can. There should be an eagerness there. There should be excitement there. Amen. If we send out a mailer, we should be excited about spending money to get the gospel out. If, if we pay for tracks and that track rack's full, we ought to be ashamed of that. Amen. We ought to be excited about each and every week emptying that track out. And it means the gospel's going out. The seed of the gospel and the word of God is going out into a field where it can germinate for God's glory. Amen. There's to be an eagerness here. The eagerness that we should have is because our goal as a soul winner is to see people seized from the edge of a Christless eternity. Amen. Amen. Our goal as a soul winner is that by reaching out to them, they will, as I've mentioned where he said, pulling them out. It gives us, uh, it gives us almost, as I mentioned on Sunday night, an image. Me and Brother Lewis tried to play that out a little bit as I had him come. And I, again, I'm sorry. He had for the, he didn't know my illustration. He had to be the, he had to be the lost person. Amen. He had to be the sinner. Amen. Uh, I guess I should have just told you the illustration and let you do it. But he had to be the sinner. I was the soul winner. And I took him by the hand. And I showed you that his back was up against the up against hell and up against the flames. And how the soul winner is to snatch them and to pull them away. That's what it's talking about here. Our job as a soul winner is that we should extend a hand. Remember I said that what the message we're preaching on is reaching out. We ought to be extending a hand. Amen. And as a soul winner, when you extend a hand, it ought to be in hopes that someone will take an opportunity to reach their hand back out and take you by the hand and let you help them to Christ and pull them away from hell. Amen. So we see this here in the Word of God. Amen. Matthew Henry said that there's pulling them out of the fire. That he said that it means that we must not only be our own keepers, but we has but as much as lies within us, we must take it upon ourselves to be our brother, our brother's keeper as well. Not our brother in the sense of salvation, but our brother in the sense of humanity. That as a human being to another human being, as one of God's creations that was once lost and undone uh, without Christ, to another one that is a creation of God, lost and undone without God, one has been redeemed. One is still in a lost condition, but we are to take it upon ourselves to be our brother of humanity's keeper and to try our best to see them uh, pulled from the fire. Amen. This word pulled here in verse number 23 is translated in John chapter number 10 and verse number 12 as the word catcheth. Now, I hope you, I, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to accuse me of being a Bible corrector. I'm not. 
I believe it's, it's correct in John chapter 10 verse 12 when it was translated as ketchup and I believe this Greek word is just as just as correct here in Jude verse 23 I translated as pulling amen but notice that now I want you to see if you can catch what is being said here remember I said it is the word ketchup that this word pulling is translated as in John 10, 12, where Jesus is speaking about himself being the good shepherd and how the good shepherd will give his life for his sheep. Notice what John chapter 10 and verse number 12 says. You don't have to turn there, but see if you can catch the context here. The Bible said this is Jesus' words. He says, but he's talked about himself, how he's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd will give his life for the sheep. That's John 10, 11. He follows that up with John 10, 12 by saying this, but contrasted to what a good shepherd's like, but he that is in hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The word catcheth there is the same word as pulling here in our Bible. When the Bible said that the hireling, if this good shepherd, if, the, if, those, if that shepherd's sheep get into the hands of a hireling, the good shepherd will put himself between his sheep and the wolf, but a hireling will not do that. The Bible said, Jesus said, that a hireling will flee and leave the sheep defenseless and a wolf will catch them and will scatter them. Can I just simply remind you, say, preacher, what does this have to do with what we're talking about tonight? Can I simply remind you that in other words to what Jesus is saying here, we must realize that every lost sinner is in the grasp of one that has no intentions of good for them. When they're lost, there's a wolf after them. And God has called you as a soul winner to act as that shepherd, that, that good shepherd that will give his life and not just physically as a good shepherd would. But I believe we have been called to extinguish our, our hold upon our very lives in, in efforts to be faithful to what God has called us to do. This life that I have Started for me on April the 28th, 1993. That's the day that this preacher was born. That's when my life started on this planet. That life that God has given me from that day to this day, all the way to whatever day, God already knows will be the day that I draw my last breath. That period of time, may it be 60 years, 70 years, or may it be just, uh, may it be over before tonight is finished. That period of time that God has given me is not my own. Jesus, the Bible tells us, God tells us that this, that our life is not our own. We're bought with a prize. We're to glorify God in our body. Amen. We are to do that. This life that God has given us 
It's not to be our own. It's to be a life completely given over to Him. It's to be a life that is completely extinguished. As far as our control of it is concerned, we extinguish our control over our life and we place it in the hands of our God. And it's Him that is to be allowed to have His will and His way in our life. The Good Shepherd gives His life for His sheep. And a soul winner will give all of their life to accomplish the plan of God so that those sheep will not be devoured by the wolves that want to destroy them. Here the Bible tells us, talking about this pulling, it is God's desire that you and I be involved in rescuing those from the hands of the devil that wants nothing good for them in the hand of the devil. Yeah, I promise you, you can rest assured this tonight. You can take it to the bank that in the hands of the devil, you are most assuredly headed for destruction. And it is our job as those as believers with the, with the message, the believers with the gospel, to go to those that are lost and that are headed for destruction and to try to save them and to see them brought to a place of safety in the salvation that only comes from Christ. Can I tell you tonight that the devil has caught the sinner and is pulling them toward hell. That it is our job to get uh, to get on the other side and try to snatch them back. The devil's pulling one way. The soul winner ought to be pulling the other. This church, as a soul winning church, and that's what we ought to be. A church that has a heart for the world. A church that has a heart for the lost. Amen. And you and I, as a body of believers, as a part of this local New Testament church, should be standing on the other side as the devil tries to pull a world of lost folks here in Lexington, South Carolina toward hell. Deacon Baptist Church ought to be standing flat-footed and giving every bit of our zeal and energy to standing on the other side and trying to pull those back that the devil wants to take to hell with them. Amen? You may not have ever thought about it before, but that little game that we would play on the schoolyard as kids... Amen. I think about several times growing up in elementary school, we would have a field day where there'd be all kinds of games and stuff you'd play. And one of the things we always played was tug of war. That's right. And you know what you always wanted in a tug of war? Not only did you want plenty of strong people, but the most valuable part of a tug of war was having the biggest, burliest, strongest guy to be your anchor. Amen. When you're in a tug of war, the most valuable person on that line is the one that is the anchor. Amen. And can I tell you, you and I that have been called towards salvation, that we've been poured again, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the gospel message. We have the Word of God. And because we have the Word of God, we ought to be engaged in a spiritual tug of war. And can I tell you this? tonight as I've said in a tug of war the most important thing that you need to know is that you've got the right anchor Amen. and I tell Amen. you that the book of Hebrews says that in the Lord Jesus Christ we have an anchor that is sure and steadfast Amen. Amen. I'll take my anchor Amen. that's anchor, anchoring me toward heaven Amen. over that which is anchoring the lost toward hell thank God for our anchor today yeah. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, speaking about those in this day, these Pharisees that were lost, 
Jesus said, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. 1 John 3, verse 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal to and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Can I remind you that the devil wanted to steal salvation from us that are saved. He wanted to rob us of a relationship with God through Christ before we ever came and entered into a relationship with Christ through the blood of His Son. The devil wanted to rob us of that relationship. He wanted to rob us of a home in heaven. He wanted to see us spiritually dead forever. As Ephesians chapter 2 says, we were before we were born again. He wanted to see us killed spiritually by the efforts of His deception and for all of eternity to us reside in a place where they are constantly being destroyed, perishing under perishing under the wrath of Almighty God as sinful rejectors of His Son Jesus and rejectors of the free gift of salvation that Christ paid for with His life's blood and that He had offered to them within the days of their lifetime. The devil wanted to rob you of that. He wants nothing more but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Not just one or the other. He wants to do all three. And that's what He wants for your family. And that's what He wants for this community. How the devil wanted to rob us of that. But however, when we gave our hearts to Jesus, Jesus delivered us from the grasp of the devil who had... <coughs> who had things, evil things, eternity damning things in mind for us. Aren't you glad tonight that when it came for you and those in your family that know the Lord, that the devil lost the spiritual tug of war. But that does not mean that in the, in the perspective of everyone that comes into the world, that the devil will lose that tug of war as he did with us. Jesus said that the way that leads to destruction would be a wide road. It would be a broad road. And sadly, Jesus had to say this, and it's true, it's in the Bible. Jesus said, many there be that go in thereat. There will be more on the road to hell than on the road to heaven. Friend, I'm telling you tonight, it is God that has called you and I to be lifeguards, to be those that throw out the lifeline, to be those that are working diligently in a spiritual tug of war. Amen. As a soul winning Christian and as a soul winning church, we must comprehend what the devil has in mind for lost souls and that, uh, and that they are in a place where we must seize them. 
we need to do what we can as purposely as a shepherd grabbing a sheep and seizing them to safety and seizing them out of the clutches of a predator. A soul winner is to be in the business of doing more than saving physical lives as a good as a good earthly shepherd would do for his sheep. But we are to comprehend the fact that God has called us to be in the business of not seeing just physical lives saved, but to see uh, souls that were certainly headed for demise and destruction in hell have their eternities rescued and salvaged. Amen. To see their eternities salvaged and saved. We as the soul winner are to make the, those individuals that are lost and undone are our focus. We are to make them our target and we are to target uh, them and pull them from the clutches of Satan himself and claim them for God's The Bible says pulling them out. Let me give you this tonight. Man alive, I don't even know if I should. I, tell you, I thought I was going to get through all this tonight. God help us. Pulling them out. Notice with me, we see the pulling here. Let me say this. I'm going to try to hurry through this as, as best as I can. We see not only the pulling, but we see the place. Verse 23 says, pulling them out. But notice the place of the fire. This means that there are many lost souls out there that God sees as already standing in jeopardy of burning in the fire. It is almost as if they are as good as already in the charred walls of the damned. As if they are already as good as in the fires of hell. Can I say this tonight? Just as I mentioned on Sunday morning, that that was a call to urgency to be that lifeguard throwing out the lifeline. That is a call to urgency. Can I submit to you tonight that this is yet another call to urgency? Pulling them out. This place is a call to urgency of the fire. We need to grasp this in our minds. We must get it ingrained in our minds that so much so that we can almost see them standing in the midst of the flames of the literal fires of hell, singed, smelling like smoke, and like the wicked dead, but, but not engulfed in the flame entirely, but only just barely missing out on being completely submerged. That's where the lost are. That's what we've been called to do. That's the reality of what it is to be a soul winner. That's what the reality is of being a church. I'm telling you tonight, we're about to celebrate it next Sunday, this coming Sunday morning, March the 26th of 1989. There, this church was not just started. Can I say this? There are churches that are a dime a dozen that were started. Very few churches were birthed. The ones that last are the ones that God birthed. And I can tell you tonight, March the 26th, 1989, God used a handful of faithful folk following the leadership of God's man to see a church 
birthed right here in Lexington, South Carolina. Birthed for God's glory. And if Brother Caldwell, I believe God was in it. Amen. 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 I believe God's been in it all along Amen. through the good and through the bad, yes. through the ups and through the downs, through each and every season that churches go through at times. I believe God's been in it all. And if God's been in it all and God birthed a church and a lo the local New Testament assembly, you know what God wants us to do. God expects for you and I to truly have our mission in mind that if we are not a soul winning station, we are nothing. Amen. God wants us to have a vision. Not in the charismatic kind of a way, but have a biblical reality in our minds of where the lost really are unless there's a soul winner that comes to them. That God has called. I can tell you. I hope I'm not beating a dead horse. I'm not. I hope I'm not just pounding the same drum over and over again. But I hope we get that in mind. If we are going to celebrate a 33rd homecoming, if we are going to celebrate a 33rd church anniversary, 2022, friend, this year is as dark as any other year that we've ever had. It's as depressing as any other year we've ever had. We've always said, man, 2020 was bad. I wish we could go back to before 2020. We all said that in 2020. January 1st, 2021, we were all excited about maybe possibly going back and, and experiencing what normal used to be. But then 2021 came around and knocked all of our socks off. 2022 is coming around. It's been one for the record books as well. Amen. We are not headed back to glory-filled days. We can have glory in the house of God. We can have glory in our soul. We can have revival personally. But we are not headed back to the 40s and the 50s. I quote one preacher to you. Brother Joe Parsons, I believe it was, made this statement years ago. Brother Parsons has been in heaven a long time. I think he went to heaven sometime in the 70s or 80s or so. Brother Parsons said that we are victims of prophecy. We're not headed back to those days. God is fulfilling prophetical revelation before our eyes. We are, we are living in a generation that very well possibly could see the events of Scripture not only begin to unfold before our eyes, but we very well could. And I know we've said it for hundreds of years, but I'm telling you, friend, if you've read your Bible, there are some discouraging, yes, but also some greatly exciting things happening in the course of our world today. And we very well could be that generation that hears the trumpet sound. We very well could be a group of believers that we will truly be the ones that if we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord, that we will be called up together with the Lord. We could be that generation that Paul thought he would be in. If we are, when Christ returns, how will He find us? If we truly, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting the iPad off. I'm done. <laughs> Y'all made it very easy to preach tonight. Amen. I've about hurt myself three or four times. That's good stuff. Amen. But I loved every second. Amen. Amen. Thank God for a church I can yeah. preach in. Amen. If we are going to be that last generation, 
Brother Gary, let's let's think about it now. All of us, let's think about it for just it's Wednesday night, we can do that. Let's all think about it in our minds. If we are the last generation before the trumpet sounds, is the Lord gonna to have to be ashamed of the work workload we've been carrying or not? How many people are gonna be at the great white throne that our blood that their blood's gonna be on our hands? Because we were the last generation. If God chooses to do that, we were the last generation. We couldn't be bothered by anybody that was going there. We know the truth. We can say, yes, I know if they don't get saved, they'll go, they'll go to hell. But when was the last time it penetrated us to the point where it's all, it's what that comprehension is all we think about? Can I tell you, everywhere Jesus went, he was completely concerned about the souls of men. How many times do we read in the scriptures about how Jesus looked over multitudes and was absolutely broken by what he saw? Of course, one of the most famous passages is Jesus looked at the multitude, and the Bible said that he, the Bible said he was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. I've already given you a verse tonight to where we can very easily apply the work of a shepherd even into the area of soul winning. God has called upon us to, to give direction and to give help and to give leadership to show the sheep where they can find the help they need. We have the gospel. We have now I know we like to we like to pump our chest and we like to show off our spare ecclesiastical muscles and say, hey, I've got a King James Bible. Thank God we've got a King James Bible. But it don't do you any good to have a King James Bible and not be reaching out to a lost world that don't care what kind of Bible you have with what the God of that Bible said. Is it in us? Do we have this? I'm telling you, we're going to reach out. We've got to, have, we've got to reach out comprehendingly. This could be the last generation. We could be the people that are... It's up to us try to empty out as many as we can that will that were headed for the great white throne bring them to a place where they'll stand with us that are saved before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm telling you, I don't want blood to be on my hands. I don't know whether that'll be whether when the scriptures talk about that, whether it'll be literal blood, whether it'll be metaphorical. I, I, I don't know I don't know that. But however it comes, I don't want I don't want them going to hell to be because I didn't give them the gospel message. Pulling them out. Amen. That tug of war. I gave y'all that illustration a minute ago. Now I'm putting up my Bible now. <laughs> In that tug of war. And I've won a few. And I've lost a few at the tug of war. Amen. I've got I've got I've got rope burns on my hands playing around. By the way, when it, when I show up at the when I show up at the judgment seat of Christ, wouldn't it be a good thing to show up instead of blood on your hands? You've got rope burns on your hands where you tried to pull as many as you could along the way. But I, I, I've 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 won a few and I've lost a few with others. But I've never I've never lost any or won any bouts of tug of war without trying to win. I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, any kind of contest, I didn't go into the contest hoping to lose. Amen. 
you guys that went roller skating with us, y'all see even the, the preacher's even willing to cheat to win. <laughs> I did. I, me and Tori raced and I cheated and she still did. I, I want to win. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too ashamed to say I even tried to beat a girl and still lost. Amen. But I, I, I go in it to win. And I, 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 that the times I lost, I was given everything I had to try to win. And the times I won, we were all given everything we had and we just had to win. Can I tell you, if I was going to check out tonight, I would hope that I'd check out of this world doing everything that I could to win the spiritual tug of war. And I hope tonight you'll join me. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, yeah.